wherever or whenever you cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, OTAs are in the books, and the NFL has entered its annual period of summer radio silence. But we here at Sports Crutch will stay as busy as possible until the start of trading camp with some amazing guests, including our guest today. Catherine Terrell currently covers the Saints for The Athletic and has been an amazing honorary friend of the pod for several years. It's a pleasure to welcome her back to talk Saints and what to expect from them this season. What's up, Catherine? How you doing? Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to the season, which is uh, coming around the bend sooner than we think. Yep. Hopefully it'll be as normal as a year as uh, we've gotten in a while. I totally agree. I am with you there. And uh, without further ado, let's... Uh, discuss uh, the New Orleans Saints, and this is the first year of the post-Drew Brees era for the Saints. Thus, all eyes are on the looming training camp battle between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston to be the starting quarterback week one in New Orleans. As of right now, what is your most educated guess as to which of those two will be under center for the Saints September 12th against the Packers? Well, everything to me leans towards Winston for a lot of reasons. And I joke about this a lot with my colleagues who cover the Saints. Uh, We all joke, you know, you're either Team Taysom or or Team Jameis. And, you know, of course, we're not really we're not rooting for either one. But we all have our thoughts about who might perform better at that position. And I've kind of been on the, the Jameis Winston train since last year just because first we didn't really know what Taysom was going to look like as a quarterback. And then we got a small taste of it. And and I don't think that he ran away with it. It was kind of his job to to take and run with, and he hasn't done it yet. And meanwhile, I think that Winston's doing all the right things. It's clear as day that his teammates like him a lot. The fact that he is constantly out working out with them, I think speaks volumes. Now, of course, that's the power of social media. You see what people want you to see, and it's possible Taysom's doing the same things. We just don't see it because he doesn't post as much. But I I think optics do matter a little bit. So, I mean, but that's all small things. What's really going to matter is when they get to training camp, and I thought last year Jameis had the better training camp. So it'll be Really interesting to see this training camp. It'll be more normal. I, I think the fans will be back. That's the assumption. Uh, we'll, media will get to watch more of it than we got to last year. So, you know, this is exciting. I've never covered a quarterback competition like this, and, and I'm honestly, like, really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Jameis doing all the right things uh, with regards to social media, he made an incredibly moving Father's Day post uh, yesterday, uh, a tribute to his dad. Definitely check that out, folks. And uh, moving on to the near future for the Saints. Given the COVID-related salary cap production this season, the Saints cap issues were further magnified this year. Moreover, according to OverTheCap.com, the Saints are projected to start the 2022 league year nearly $15 million above the cap, uh, $14.847 million to be exact. $847 million, that is. This means they will likely have to get super creative as they try to re-sign their two 2017 first-round picks, franchise cornerstones both, Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek. Which one of those two do you believe is most likely to re-sign in New Orleans long-term? Absolutely Ryan Ramchek. I think the Saints will do anything to keep him in the building, and you have to. I mean, here's a guy that's done nothing but everything they've asked since day one, I think even exceeded expectations, and is going to get a really big deal. I think that's just a no-brainer. 
and the Saints are going to pay him. Uh, I just don't know when, but it's going to happen. I think Lattimore is a bit more of a question mark. I think what works in his favor is that there aren't cornerbacks lined up behind him to take his spot unless someone just has the camp of their lives. But even then, they'd be starting next to him. So you'd have to have two cornerbacks that have the camp of their lives, or they're going to be in a position next year where they have to draft the corner, which is tricky when you don't know if you have a quarterback yet. So those are all long-term things. I just think between the arrest and Lattimore's inconsistency, and I know he says that that's overblown, but I'll just say, you know, everyone has an opinion and you can watch, you can watch it with your own eyes. So I think this is an important year for him. I don't know if the deal will get done before the season. They've got a little bit of wiggle room now that they kind of redid his deal in a way that opened up more cap space but didn't extend him. But to me, it's just not as much of a sure thing as Ramcheck. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Just not 100%, I think. Thank you very much for your take on that, Catherine. And uh, let's talk about this uh, 2021 Saints draft class for a second. And they used all their picks in the premium rounds, rounds one through three, on defense. In the first round, they selected pass rushing defensive end Peyton Turner out of Houston. Next, in the second round, they selected Ohio State linebacker Pete Werner. And in the third round, they traded up 22 spots to select Stanford corner Paulson Adebo. Which of those three rookies do you see making the biggest impact for the Saints this season? That's a tough one. I think that Werner is probably the one that's going to play the most. I would say he's probably the most ready. Um, we'll see. But the fact that their linebacker position is always is kind of you know open-ended, I, I could certainly see him getting a lot of playing time early. Turner will be interesting because I think a lot of it will probably depend on Davenport and how – you know, he looks and how he's progressing and is Turner going to be a rotational guy early on or is he going to have this great camp that translates into not being able to get him off the field? I mean, you look at Hendrickson's progression. All of a sudden, one day, he was that guy you were noticing in practice. Um, I, when I returned to the Saints beat in 2019, I noticed Hendrickson right away. And so sometimes these guys just stand out and they, they earn their playing time and you can't, you can't get him off the field. Uh, Adebo is interesting because I think that Peyton said he's kind of a he didn't say the word project but he implied that he might not start right away or needed some work I, I say that because it stood out to me so much because I was just thinking okay well you just said that you drafted a corner that isn't you know a ready-made NFL product which makes sense he didn't play last year yet you don't have uh, ready you don't have a, another starting corner right now so um he's an, another one i'm really looking forward to seeing at camp and along with keith washington and maybe one of those young guys takes one of those starting spots and runs with it it'll be exciting to watch uh, yes, and one of the things that uh, really uh, stood out to me about Pete Warner as a prospect was that he was the uh, defensive on-field signal caller for Ohio State. Do you see uh, Dennis Allen giving him those duties right away? No, probably not. I think that that would be, that'd be a pretty quick transition, especially since they're in such a different schedule this year with no real OTAs or mini camp. You're relying on a training camp, so... I'd be surprised, but if it happened, it would sure say a lot about him. 
Indeed. And uh, when it comes to Peyton Turner, uh, this is obviously the second time in the, the last uh, four or five years the Saints have used uh, their first round pick on a non-Power 5 conference uh, pass rusher. Yes, they did pick up the fifth-year option on uh, Marcus Davenport's uh, contract, but he's, uh, as you've been saying on Twitter, he's still yet to, 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 to find that switch in his head and click it, so to speak. Uh, can you see Peyton Turner eventually uh, superseding him on the depth chart this season? Sure. I mean, I can. I, I just, it's hard to say because I feel like Davenport has dealt with a lot of injuries. He last year was a prime example of that coming into the season. And it's not like he's not talented. I mean, we've seen it, but it feels like we've seen it consistently so rarely. And so, I mean, picking up the fifth year option made sense because it's only like $10.2 million or, or something similar to that. So I understood why they did that, especially if he has a big year. But, I mean, I think those two are just going to have to battle it out. I'm not saying I'm writing Davenport off. I, I just think that, you know, it's, it's very telling that they drafted another defensive end. I mean, it's kind of like a big, hey, if you don't figure it out soon, we've got your replacement ready. And if he does figure it out, then, well, then they've got options at defensive end. So um, not the worst thing if, if uh, they have too many of them, but we'll see. Uh, yes, and another thing that uh, appealed to me about Peyton Turner, the pre-draft process, is his uh, versatility. He spent, I believe, the first couple of years at Houston um, – playing more on the inside than on the outside. So he brings some of that uh, inside-out versatility that a lot of NFL teams uh, covet. Uh, do you think that could give him a potential long-term leg up in this competition between him and Marcus Davenport? Possibly. I mean, I would see him in the NFL, though, as more of a primary edge rusher. But that, that would be interesting. But, I mean, then again, you've got competition on the inside, too, because that's kind of a big question mark. You know, it, it's not like they don't have – bodies on the defensive line but I, I feel it's all a question of okay well how high are a lot of the ceilings of these guys are, are they going to be any good now that Hendrickson's gone and, and where's Cam Jordan going is he declining or was that just one of those years for him so yeah I think they said they're gonna I mean it's a first round pick just like Cesar Ruiz they said we didn't draft him to sit but you know, where he fits in will be kind of the, I guess, thing to figure out at camp. Yep, definitely looking forward to that. And in the fourth round, the Saints took another roll of the proverbial quarterback dice with Ian Book out of Notre Dame. And during the pre-draft process, a draft analyst friend of mine who I really trust said that Ian Book should switch positions and become a running back. Thus, when the Saints took him, I was wondering if they view him as Taysom Hill's eventual replacement, especially if Taysom Hill is a cap casualty after the season. Do the Saints see Ian Book that way? I, I don't think so. I think they see him as a quarterback. I mean, that's that's just my opinion right now. But no, I mean, I think that that's just an insurance pick because you got two quarterbacks that aren't. Uh, under contract beyond this year and I kind of I know a lot of people didn't like that pick I was okay with it just because in my mind if 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 it doesn't work out between either quarterback this year you kind of reset and well I, I mean I guess this would be worst case scenario for fans but I guess theoretically if they have a really bad year because of quarterback play they can reset and attempt to draft one high next year so that didn't really bother me. But no, I mean, I, I see him as a quarterback. But it, these things do change. I mean, 
<laughs> look at that. Uh, look at Bond. Like he was drafted to play one position. They've already moved him a year later. So um, sometimes it just doesn't work out like you think it will. Uh, yes, but the the, the point is, uh, I I wasn't saying Ian Book should uh, change positions and be a running back. I was saying, do the Saints see him as the next Taysom Hill type quarterback on their roster? Should uh, they get rid of Taysom Hill after the season? Oh, I mean, I thought you, you were asking if they see him as like an everyman, like jack of all trades, and that I I don't know. That's that's hard to say yet. I, I don't really know what their vision is for him yet, but. Um, I would be surprised if he was playing the Taysom Hill role right away, but maybe. I mean, again, that's something that I'm, I wish I had a better answer, but I would just have to see how they handle him in training camp. And speaking of training camp, aside from the Jameis Taysom Hill competition, what are the biggest Saints training camp position battles for us all to keep an eye on? Well, obviously outside cornerback is probably the biggest uh, defensive line, um, specifically – well, I really any place on the defensive line, edge rusher and defensive tackle, linebacker. It's going to be interesting to see who plays next to Demario Davis. Wide receiver, maybe an underrated battle. You, obviously, you have Michael Thomas coming back healthy, but a big year for Traquan Smith. A Deontay Harris, we all know what he can do, but how much can they actually use him on offense? So that kind of leaves the door open for some of these younger guys. I mean, man, I could pretty much talk about almost every spot on the roster except maybe running back, offensive line, and the safety seems pretty set for now. So, uh, yeah, name the position, and I can tell you there's probably a competition going on right now. Uh, yes, this is the beginning of a, a transition for the Saints, as uh, we alluded to at the beginning. And speaking of safety, Marcus Williams uh, is going to probably play this season on the uh, franchise tag. Uh, would you be surprised if the Saints uh, ended up signing him long-term if they don't re-sign Marshawn Lattimore? No, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised if it got done this summer. Uh, they don't Again, they don't have anyone behind him and I mean in that safety position is actually a lot more thin than people really realize uh with Jenkins himself saying I don't know how long I'm gonna play uh then there's really I mean I guess CJ DJ could play safety but that's kind of not what their intentions are for him anymore so yeah I would assume that they're gonna try to get that done it's, it's a little surprising that it hasn't happened yet but these often kind of drag on till right around the beginning of training camp uh, yes, they have till the uh, 15th of July, I believe, to reach a long-term deal. And hopefully, for the sake of Marcus Williams and the Saints, they are able to reach that agreement. And she is Catherine Terrell, ladies and gentlemen, beat reporter for the New Orleans Saints at The Athletic. Some of the best NFL coverage you will ever read is at The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic, folks. You will not regret it one bit. And Catherine, before we proceed, I am pleased to announce that we're beginning a very special series of episodes on women in sports. This podcast intends to help promote and empower women in all facets of the sports industry as much as possible, from cheerleaders, reporters, agents and managers, to coaches and athletes. And speaking of women in sports, several major glass ceilings have just been smashed, and I mean smashed, in the NFL. In the past month, Kelly Klein with the Broncos and Catherine Rach with the Eagles, respectively, became the two highest-ranked female scouting executives in NFL history. Would you be surprised if we saw the first-ever woman NFL GM sometime this decade? Oh, I could absolutely see it happening. I think perceptions are changing so much about 
uh, women in the NFL or really just uh, professional sports in general. And I think uh, really that people are more willing to accept that that is a role that women could play. I mean, I would see a female GM before I see a female head coach. So, I mean, I would, that's something that I think would be exciting and I'd love to see it. It's exciting that even uh, female coaches are becoming more accepted, not only in the NFL, but in the NBA. I mean, it's, it's definitely been uh, kind of a whirlwind of change the last few years there. And it's really cool to, to be a witness to that. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the NBA because we just learned this morning via Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond is going to be doing a second interview with the Portland Trailblazers for their head coaching vacancy. So we could see a major, major high glass ceiling in all sports smashed as early as this summer in the next few weeks by either Becky Hammond or Teresa Weatherspoon, who the New Orleans Pelicans have high on their list of head coaching candidates. This is just an amazing thing to watch and uh, as a man I often say to my fellow men uh, embrace it uh, our domination of the sports industry is over we got to empower women and uh, give them equal control and let's ride together just uh, just so exciting and uh, in your career on the NFL beat was there ever a moment where you felt that you were treated unfairly because you're a woman uh, I've had my moments yes um, and I'm sure one day I'll, I'll you know tell people about them but, I mean, it's just different. I, we have to worry about things that male reporters don't. You know, if, if I want to grab a drink with a source, it has a whole different perception than if a male reporter asked to grab a drink with a source. So, you know, we just kind of have to watch our every move more carefully. And, you know, often you have to prove yourself over and over and over again because the expectations are higher I guess uh, maybe not putting that the, the right way but I think people are, are there are a segment of fans that are more willing to, to jump on you if you mess up um, but it keeps you on your toes and you know I think that it's changing just like we were talking about with coaching and with uh, maybe a female GM one day I think that there's more female reporters now than there probably ever has been it's certainly different than even when I started in 2012 when I used to be the only woman in the locker room on a routine basis. And, and now that's almost never the case. So, yeah, I mean, things are changing for the better, but I think there's still quite a ways to go. Oh, yeah, I'm glad uh, you mentioned the fact that there are more women reporters than ever because uh, I um, understand and remember that uh, before uh, COVID hit, uh, at the Combine, uh, Lindsey Jones, your colleague at The Athletic, like uh, gathered a, a group of the women reporters uh, together for a special gathering. Uh, how does uh, that network of other women reporters uh, help uh, further empower and support you as a woman in your field? Well, I think it's amazing because, uh, you know, just like I said, that wasn't that didn't happen when I first started going to the Combine about um, seven or eight years ago. And just to have that group of, that knows exactly what I'm going through is, is quite amazing. I mean, I speak to three other female NFL reporters every single day uh, in a group text and probably like five a day um, because it, it just, they understand. I think that the, one of the biggest differences for me as a female reporter is we just tend to, to second guess every move we make because like I said, the perception um, is it, just very, it can be very different. 
So yeah, that w- that was great to have, and hopefully, God willing, we we get a real combine again next year because uh, I certainly miss it. That's one of the best source building events of the year, and it's kind of crazy that we haven't had one in so long, or it feels like it. But um, yeah, I love that uh, Lindsay Seth- Lindsay and Courtney Cronin were able to set that up. That was a big deal. Oh, absolutely, Catherine. Uh, that really, really warms my heart to hear that uh, you have uh, three uh, female colleagues uh, across the NFL that you communicate with every day. And uh, uh, I personally know where I am today due to being empowered by women in sports like yourself. And what should us men do to help create and ensure the safest, most equitable work environment possible for women in sports or in any other high-profile industry? I would just say the biggest thing is if we tell you something, then listen to us and, and believe us. I was this um, isn't an NFL issue, but I, someone today who was a former Major League Baseball reporter, you know, shared her story about how she was assaulted by a player years ago on Twitter. And you know, it, it's it's hard for women to come forward with with their experiences when the responses are generally not generally, but some of the responses kind of indicate, you know, either that it's their fault or that they aren't to be believed. I will tell you that, you know, no woman I know, but definitely no uh, female reporter I know ever wants to be the story or puts these stories out there for no reason, um, or at least in my experience. So, you know, I guess just, just listen and believe them. I mean, that's the long and short of it. Listen to what Catherine said, folks. Listen and believe women at all times, fellow men. We can do this. Catherine, thank you so much once again for joining us today. You are an incredible friend of this podcast, and we definitely look forward to having you back on in the near future. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But our Women in Sports series kicks off next week with my good friend Romy Bean of CBS4 Denver, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Catherine on Twitter at cat underscore Terrell, and you can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and now on Instagram at sports. Crunch with DCROM. For Catherine Terrell, this is David Cromlow saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane, and folks, all 32 NFL stadiums will be allowed to be at full capacity this fall, but if you don't want to wear a mask to the game, please get vaccinated if you haven't done so yet. Take care, cats and kittens, and stay cool. <laughs>